in this in-between space, and we're going to take the next three weeks to talk a little bit more about the in-between space. And this idea potentially being called like a fertile void, which I know sounds like an oxymoron. Those two words don't seem to come together. But I'm really excited and expecting what God's going to be unpacking this morning as a bit of a taste. And then for next week and then the week after as well, before we go into our December um, program. But part of what we're going to be looking at this morning is Exodus chapter 13. And we're going to touch into chapter 14 as well. And we touched on this a few weeks ago where we talked about there's a God who is pursuing a people of his very own a treasured possession, a people that he has rescued, redeemed, recalled, revived, brought out of slavery, brought out of sin, brought out of darkness, and brought in to a community of light and love. A community that he would be proud to say, they are my people. They are there, my very own people. My name is on them. And I love them, I love them, I love them. And this people would stand and say, God, you are ours. And this beautiful moment of God saying, you're my people. And the people saying, you're my God. God said, but you're my people. I said, you're my God. This community of people who are In hot pursuit of him and his presence. A community who are different to the world around him. This is a God story throughout the whole world. This is a God story throughout the whole Bible. A God longing for a people to come home. To be different from the world around. For them to shine out and to spill out this God life that is within them. So when you have a look in Exodus chapter 13, and just, we we took more time in communion, which which is brilliant. So I'm just going to go quicker through this morning, but I want it to be like a bit of a a tease and a taste for you. And an invitation, maybe to read the Exodus story again. Last night I was watching um, Charles Charles Heston in the Moses movie. Have you seen that? I tell you what, if you don't think TV's moved on, if you watch how they do the pillar of smoke and fire, I'm like, oh my word. It's like, did they put an acetate on the thing there? I don't know. But it's a beautiful moment there. So this is a story we're getting caught up in today. Don't you love how kids talk about everything and nothing in the same moment? Just beautiful, eh? I'm going to have a party soon. Oh, amazing. Okay. So let's have a look. And just so we know that when the Bible talks about remembering, it's one of the key words that God wants us to remember. (laughs) Ironic, isn't it? So in verse 3, it talks about, So Moses said to the people, This is a day to remember Forever, the day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery, today the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. Remember, no, eat no food containing yeast. On this day in early spring in the month of Aeb, you have been set free. 
You must celebrate this event in this month each year after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hiviites, and Jezbarites. He swore to your ancestors that he would give you this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So there in these few verses, you have this incredible, powerful picture. And it's nearly like this pivotal moment therein. God is reminding them in this moment, this is the stuff I was talking to you and your four or your ancestors about. Like people have been longing and waiting for hundreds of years for this moment. So there's an expectation from the past. Like the word will have been passed down through the generations that one day God is going to rescue. God is going to redeem. God is going to do what he's always said. So they realize in that moment when the ancestor word has been mentioned, oh, this is a moment. This is shoes off wide-eyed, expectant moment. And God is going to do a divine rescue that he wants to be recalled, remembered, revisited throughout the generations. Today is not about me and you. But God spoke those words with you and me in mind. Because he said, I want this to be remembered forever. So we are caught up in this story. And what is it that God is wanting us to remember? Well, he's wanting to remind us and help us to remember that when he says, you left Egypt, he wants us to know what it was like to be in Egypt. And the whole thing about Egypt is about a life in sin, a life in slavery, a life with no hope, no God, no sense there's another tomorrow. And God wants to remind us all, I brought you out of that. I rescued you out of that. But I didn't just rescue you out of that. I'm inviting you to step into something new. And that's part of the story here. You've been set free. You must celebrate this event and this beautiful collision of the thing about the ancestors and the thing about the future generations as well. And then in verse 9, this is beautiful. With a strong hand, the Lord rescued you from Egypt. God has brought us out of slavery. He's brought us out of addiction. Out of our thinking that we are the center of the world. He's brought us out of religion. He's brought us out of judgmental. He's brought us out of sin. To be a people of his own. And it's interesting because it goes on to here, and it's just a bit further down. And um, I know I'm going quick, but I just this really stuck out. This is the process of God leading his people. Verse 17. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory. 
even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. I love that he knows the people. I love that he knows us. Isn't that beautiful? Like, I know your hearts aren't always for me. I know that you wobble. I know that you'll get hesitant. So I'm going to lead you in a way that is for you. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. And there's just something about that when I was reading that and reflecting upon that this week. I had a sense that God is wanting to minister to some of us this morning. And it may be feeling like God has led you up the garden path. That God hasn't led you up the main road. But it feels a little bit like you haven't got to the garden yet. And it just feels like maybe God's, I don't know. So if you've got a sense of, I don't know, well, I want to encourage you that God is leading you. Oh, do you want to hear a very, very silly story about two buckets? Two buckets. Buckets. What did you say? Bucket. Bucket. <laughs> I nearly don't want to tell it because I want to say other stuff. But I heard this silly story this week about two buckets. The farmer had two buckets. And these two buckets looked the same. Apart from one was a bit cracked and a bit broken. Every day, every day, the farmer would fill the two buckets and walk down the path to feed the animals and to give them something to drink every single day. Years went by and the broken bucket one day said to the farmer, I've always felt rubbish. I'm no good as a bucket. I'll leak all the way. Time you've carried me all the way to the castle, I'm half full. And the bucket was just feeling really, really sad. Obviously, it's a true story, yeah, just for those who were a bit concerned. And the farmer looks at the bucket and loves the bucket and smiles at the bucket. Doesn't say anything, but takes the bucket out for a walk down the same path they have trod over the years. And what the farmer does is invites the bucket to look. Look at the side of the path that you have been on for the last two years. So you see this path, one side is barren, dry as can be. The other side, this most beautiful wildflowers all the way down the path. And the wildflower side, that's the broken bucket side. So where the farmer, who knew 
about the brokenness. But not only was he feeding the cattle, he was feeding the land. Now I want to encourage you with a little silly story about two buckets. If you're feeling like you've sensed God's been leading you up the garden path and you're not quite sure what's been going on, and you feel a bit broken in the story, I want to let you know that God has been doing something in you and in me despite us. Like he's been able to take our brokenness, our crackness, and do something in us and through us, way beyond, way bigger than we can ever imagine. And it's not often on the straight road. And interesting in there, because we sometimes have a sense of God leading us and guiding us, and it doesn't always make sense to ourselves or the people around you. But the reason God took them on this way was to protect them along the way. But he also took them to this way along this journey to get to the point where they're at the Red Sea. They're in this moment where there's no escape for them. The enemy is coming behind them, pressing in. Everybody is criticizing Moses and God for leading them to an impossible pass. But it was like God was setting the scene for a miraculous moment that we would still be talking about today. So God brings them to this place. And he wants these people to know in their very bones that he is God. That he is the miraculous God who will provide all that his people need. And in the desert we see miracle after miracle after miracle of provision and water and provision and water. Miracles in this moment. So when we get to the moment of the Red Sea and everybody's saying what God cannot do and they're even talking about leaks and how good life was back in Egypt. Moses in this moment. And I feel like dressing Ben Lowe up with a beard and a Moses moment with the staff. And he reaches out his hand, the staff over the Red Sea and it opens up. And I want to encourage you today, if you're feeling in a dead end situation that God's led you up the garden path, I'm saying you're set for a miracle. You're set for a breakthrough. Not only has God been doing stuff in your life and you look back along the garden path, But God has set you up for breakthrough. But the breakthrough is not only for you. It's for for those around you as well. I want to declare today that there's life in the in-between place if you want it. There's moments to receive his provision if you're up for it. It's interesting how God provided the manna every single day. But you did have to go out to get it. So the in-between place doesn't just have to be a wilderness, dry, desert story for you. Because God is in the wilderness. And God is inviting us and wanting us to meet with him. So let me read this bit now as we kind of close. And I'm sorry we're not going to get time to really chat about it. But this is the bit in verse 21. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with the pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. 
the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. And I love, and I love, and I love. And can we just put that picture up, please, Paul and Bill? I love the story of the pillar of the cloud and the pillar of fire. And there's loads about that story. But it's maybe harder to see. But this is an eye with fire in its eye. My hope, my longing, my prayer for this week has not been for you. It's been for me and my own heart. You know my longing for me and my longing for you is that we would be a people whose clothes stench of the smoke and our eyes are ablaze because we've seen him. You know, for those of you who were at bonfire last night, for those of you who've messed around with bonfires, which is one of my favorite things in life, you know the next day you come in and your pile of clothes, no matter where you put them, you step into the room and your bonfire clothes could be in the other side of the house. You step in and you smell it, don't you? And you know when someone's seen the fire, you see it in their eyes. So that is God's call on Carlisle Vineyard. What are we to be about? A people who pursue his presence. A people who smell of smoke. And have got a fire in their eyes. Let me read this last verse to you. This is the last bit in Exodus. The cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of God filled the dwelling. Moses couldn't enter the tent of meeting because the cloud was upon it and the glory of God filled the dwelling. Whenever the cloud lifted from the dwelling, the people of Israel set out on their travels. But if the cloud did not lift, they wouldn't set out until it did lift. The cloud of God was over the dwelling during the day and the fire was in it at night, visible to all the Israelites on their travels. And for me, I'm going to finish with this last picture. What does it mean to be part of Carlisle Vineyard? Yes, our, our clothes smell of smoke and our eyes is fire in our eyes. But we both camp around the presence of God as church community, as life together, as community. And we follow him. So it's both. He leads us and we camp around. We camp around and he leads us. So it's a coming and it's a going. It's a staying and a leaving. So what does it mean to be for the city? Well, it means both. And I know time has gone, but I think it's important this bit here. You know, one thing as a community, we've always said from day one, we're a church for people who don't go to church. 
People are like, oh, that's, that sounds good. I don't quite get it, but that sounds good. And then there's a genuine, genuine question. And the genuine, genuine question is this. That's great for the city, but what does it then mean to be church? And we're like, sometimes, uh, and I think that's what it sometimes felt like. So I'm here now in this moment apologizing to you if it hasn't always made sense. Part of that, we're still working it out. But God didn't invite us to start just another church in the city. God wanted us to start a church to be for the city, outward in pursuit of what he is pursuing in the city. But the bit where we long that we sense that God is now bringing to this point of, and I don't want to say maturity because that means we're there, we're not there. But this bit now God is inviting us to grow into more and more but to also be a church that people can thrive in. So it's both and. We're going to love the city. We're all about loving the city. But we also want to be a place that people can thrive. You know, I've got some friends and they lead a church in Northern Ireland. And they had this beautiful strap line. It was cool. It was great. And they would say... You know, guys, we don't really have a vision for the church. We've got a dream for the city. Sounds great. And that sparks my heart. But if you've been around that community for some time, you can feel a bit like, and not selfishly, but a bit like, but what about us in the story? What does it mean to be the people of God in that story? So that's why I'm taking the moment and our time is gone. But there's a moment here to invite us back into the story of pursuing him with all that we are. Pursuing one another with all that we are. And together we pursue a city as well. So I'd wanted to take some time for ministry time this morning. So part of what we're, we're loving to do to move forward, we would love on a Sunday morning for a few people to come and gather early, not to get the coffee ready, not to do anything, but just to pray. We, we would love also that every Sunday morning we have opportunity for ministry time together as well. But I'm saying to you, as other people are beginning to step up, I'm saying... There's an invitation for us all to step out of consumerism into thermostatic leadership. You are called and invited by God to set the tone around your table. And the tone is this. Do you remember? Your clothes are to stink. And your eyes that have fire in them. And that is on each one of us.